Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Let's talk about setting the mood. That's right, the mood. You know when you want to get intimate or perhaps after you've gotten intimate, be it by yourself or with a partner, there's something you need to have on your nightstand. Mod. Mod is redefining what sexual wellness and modern intimacy look like. They're creating this whole new chapter in the outdated sexual wellness industry. Mod makes modern, body-safe, and high-quality essentials for before, during, and after sex. They have a whole variety of products like vibrators, lubricants, and condoms. Their products are absolutely beautiful, seriously, with a lot of attention to detail, design, sustainability, and simplicity. So basically, if your sexual wellness had a name, it'd be Mod. Honestly, these products, you want them to be seen in your bedroom. You don't want to hide them. One of the coolest things about Mod is that it's female-led and Latinx-founded. So their founder, Ava, created Mod for all bodies, all genders, and all races. And guess what? You are all getting a treat from Mod. As our partner, Mod is giving you $5 off your first orders on all products with the code BOOKCLUB. Head over to getmod.com, that's get, M-A-U-D-E, mod.com, and use promo code BOOKCLUB for $5 off your first order. Enjoy setting the mood. Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. So hi, this is Ashley, a Feminist Book Club content contributor, and I am joined today by Ashley M. Coleman. She is a writer, freelancer, music industry professional, and dreamer. She is from Philadelphia. In 2017, she launched, launched a community for BIPOC writers called Permission to Write. She joins us today to talk about her debut novel, Good Morning Love. Ashley, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So the first question we ask our authors is, what is your definition of feminism? Wow. You know, I feel like I like trying to build off of like its most basic definition, which is essentially just believing in the equality, right, of all genders. But I love um, this idea of just like our option to choose. Like we as women get to be whatever it is that we want to be. Whether we think that's, you know, being on par with, uh, you know, our male counterparts in every area and aspect, or whether we get to choose something different, I mm -hmm. feel like feminism is all about autonomy and women being in control of their bodies, <laughs> of their direction, of their pay, um, all those things. It's just having the very same freedoms of all other genders, um, because there's no reason for it to be any different. <laughs> um, so that to me is just my definition of feminism. And choice and autonomy are words that I think 
aren't brought up enough in regards to how we get to be in the world and how other people get to see us. So it's just who you want to be and then the world gets to see you become that person. Absolutely, I love that. So what is Good Morning Love about? So Good Morning Love really chronicles Carlisa Hinton, um, her friends call her Carly, um, who is an aspiring songwriter, but she also works full time at a media agency. And so she is doing the balance and act of chasing after a dream, but also trying to make her New York City rent, which I think so many people can really relate to. And as she's kind of climbing the ladder through her job and pursuing this dream of songwriting, she meets Kyle Anderson, who's a rising R&B star and also a client at her agency. And he's a bit of a curveball. Um, when it comes to this really calculated world that she's laid out and plan that she has for herself, um, he kind of comes in and disrupts all that. Why did or what did you decide when world building, when the book opens, we're at we're behind the scenes at a concert. So it's the lights, it's the sound, it's the crowd, it's the energy that is so welcoming for what the book is going to be about. And there's some quieter moments. But of course, with Tao being a rising star and with Carly being in the world that she's in, what did you decide when world building? You know, to me, it's like I've talked a bit about this debut kind of almost being something that took a lifetime to write. And mm -hmm. so because I've worked in the music industry over like the last 10 years, I've been to numerous concerts, <laughs> you know, whether it's just like meeting new folks or, you know, going out for research or whatever, whatever the case may be. And so I really, um, when you think about some of the best books that you've read, they bring you into like the auditory experience or like they kind of play on the five senses. It's like, what do we see? What do we hear? What do we feel? And to me, being in concerts, it's like there's all these things happening. It's like almost like a little bit of overstimulation because there's people, there's lights, like you mentioned, there's the sound, you know, nothing sounds like being in a venue. Um, and the way you hear music in a venue is so different than how we hear it out of our headphones or in our car. Um, so to me, it was just a fun kind of kick off to almost like this larger than life aspect of who Tao is right and like this kind of difference between her world kind of humbly working behind the scenes you know and kind of juxtaposed to the grandiose of being in like a stadium tour and what that kind of means and thinking about this book, I also thought about films like Beyond the Lights and Brown Sugar. Were you inspired by any pop culture references or were you solely just within your industry, but your experience? So little known fact, I actually comped the book to Beyond the Lights when I was querying okay. the book okay. for an agent. Um, and so Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I adore it beyond the lights just because it was kind of that behind the scenes look into music and, you know, even some of the like darkness of what that can mean, right? Like if you're familiar with that movie, you know that she was the main character was struggling, yes. you know, with some parts of the fame. And so I just thought that was such a great look at things. And then like brown sugar is classic, right? Yes. Like, you know, when did you fall in love with hip hop? Like, you know, we all kind of 
remember that line and, and just remember kind of this really drawn out love story between the two main characters, Sanai Lathan and Tay Diggs, who played the characters. Um, but yeah, like those were huge influences on me. In addition to other great, um, stories, like, of course, Insecure being a big mm -hmm. influence. Um, also the game, um, our yes. Rock Got Kill show from back in the day. Um, so all those stories, man, I just have ingested them and love them. Um, so much so I feel like it's natural that some elements of that came out in this debut. You also had a, a Love Jones and for a minute I you said there was um or at least there was a mention of Lorenz Tate and I was like, Oh, let's let's not have any Lorenz Tate slander in this book. I will <laughs> not finish it. But it turned it turned out to be love jones and it was such a beautiful reference not only to the musical aspect but also the love aspect that we come to between carly and tao mm -hmm. yeah love jones is a favorite i would yes. never yes. <laughs> so the relationship dynamics are beautiful i love seeing carly get to release herself as she's become she's emerging in her career and her dreams she's also emerging as someone who's falling in love and she's kind of resistant to it but it's a beautiful pace throughout the book um what did you want to decide or what did you decide about the relationship dynamics and how they would play out between the characters yeah I love that um yeah I think it was such a big element of like trying to be perceived a certain way and I think you know, in many ways, that is the pressure that women face. So when we talk about even like, what is feminism, right? Like, feminism should be being able to fall in love, whether it's in your workplace or not, right? Like, you know, like, you should kind of have that um, ability to explore things that you're comfortable with, right? So if someone is kind of making advances, and you're not interested, it's a whole other ball game. But I think when, you know, I, for instance, someone like myself, you know, I met my husband through like work, you know, through a work type environment. And so I think that it can really blossom from those spaces. So that was important for me of just kind of her trying to come up against the perception of who she needed to be and allowing herself to be true to herself. That was just kind of very important for me. And just kind of, I know for some folks, Tao felt overbearing, mm -hmm. but to me, it was important that he was confident because I think that like only a very confident man could really shake Carly out of her world because she was so determined and so, you know, on point. Um, and so he had to be a certain kind of guy, you know, to even really break some of the walls that Carly had up. And we really see that kind of against the other love interest of Dylan, right? Like kind of um, how those things play out. So all that was important to me to be able to showcase um, within their story. And getting into Tao, I love how you write masculinity in this book because Tao is such, you know, he has a reputation and he gets, he's so kind of marred by it and Carly you know people would tell Carly like yo be careful you know he's he's this this and that he's famous he is becoming wealthy he's getting more and more opportunities of course people are throwing themselves at him and 
it's just interesting to watch Tao progress throughout the book. How did you want to use Tao in particular for how we view masculinity, particularly in the music industry where there is such a reputation amongst artists? For sure. So I think to start, the best stories really come from questions. And to me, a big question is often, can you be rich and famous and also be faithful? Mm. Right? Like that is often a question. Yes. I feel like that gets thrown out there like, oh, is it an unrealistic expectation? And I always kind of felt to myself like, no, there has to be people who, you know, have done their thing. And I'm sure that's very exciting, you know, at first when you are coming up on fame and fortune to have the interests of every woman and um, but, I, you know, I have to imagine in my mind that that gets old, essentially, yes. right? And so part of it really came from asking that question to say, like, is this possible, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I also, it was important for me to portray particularly Black men as flawed but still loved. Yes. So I liked the idea of being able to not only show Tao as this rising star, but we also get more intimate moments with yes. him. Um, when he's around closer friends um, and just talking about more of the intimate side of what it means to be a celebrity, but to also still be a person. Um, and so I think that not only was this idea of like flawed, but loved in Tao, but also very present in Carly's father as well. Yes. And Carly's father has such a wonderful, it's a, it's an impact that he has on her life because of their dynamics. And it, it truly reflects how most people, when they date, they're kind of a reflection of their father, whether they were present or not. So it's just interesting to have Carly's relationship with her father and then her relationship with Tao and with all the other men in her life. Absolutely. It is so true. <laughs> I think we're often direct reflections of the relationships that were closest to us. And I loved Dawn, who is Carly's boss. I love that she is a boss, but Frank, but other than that, she's not like a demon for, for lack of a better word, that I think most women in power are portrayed in our pop culture, our book references. How did you develop that character and how did you wanna differentiate her amongst all the other powerful bosses that we've seen? I like this idea of stern, but kind. Yes. You know, and so I think like, you know, there's so much about black women and specifically like accomplished black women that says that they're just kind of like difficult or you know mm -hmm. too much or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be and so mm -hmm. for me it was kind of just thinking about some of the older women in my life um you know throughout all my experiences who specifically as black women can sometimes come off um tough but like understanding their love Yes. And so to me, Dawn was just this real mix of that. Like Carly knew she had to be on point with, yes. with Dawn, you know what I mean? Like she couldn't really play, but I wanted to really showcase the importance too of bringing someone up underneath you and not feeling intimidated by yes. 
that because so often we run into that too, right? Like there's an intimidation factor of if someone is smart and on it, that they're going to take our position. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I like to kind of turn in that on its head a bit to say like, I can train you up to be my replacement versus like feeling like we're in competition. Especially when age is involved, because Mm -hmm. Dawn could feel like someone who's aging out of her career, but she instead mentors Carly because she sees not just her potential, but who she can, who she is and who she's becoming. And it's, it was just such a nice and a kind of a breather for how you can be a mentor, you can be on top of your game. And you can still have power. And how does she share that with Carly? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I just think like mentorship is just so important too. Yes. Um, in everything you do, and especially in fields like entertainment, because there's not always as much of a rule book of how yes. you really get ahead. So you need people who have been there before to really help usher you along. And I also love the idea of lift as you climb. Mm-hmm. And just when, no matter what position you're in, you can always help someone up um, and just kind of meet you and you can, you know, build together or you're building and the person who you're helping is building as well. I, listen, I am a testament to that yes. <laughs> because I love helping other writers as I'm coming along and I'm learning so much because yes. this is a new element of my own mm-hmm. career and I am pouring as much of it back into other writers as possible because I just want to be a help, um, the same help that I hope to have, you know, in my own career. I, I want to be able to help um, other writers as well. So dreams and insecurity come up for Carly she at one point is questioning like do I call myself a songwriter or she kind of brushes off like no I'm that's not what I am and it takes her she spends the book questioning herself and her talents and who she is and insecurity is not just like oh, I'm not, I don't believe in myself, but because you believe in yourself, there comes those thoughts of like, well, can I actually get to the next level? So you're climbing, but can I actually get to the next rung on the ladder, if you will? What did you base that off of for Carly? And how was, why did you want her insecurities to be a part of her character development? I feel like it's such a present thing for Mm -hmm. 20-somethings. I feel like that is really a time of working underground, it can feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, likening it to, I think it's like bamboo grows underground for like so so many years or something like that until it actually sprouts. And so much of your 20s can feel like that. It can feel like working underground, (laughs) Um, you know, and then like eventually, you know, you kind of see all this work that pays off. And so for me, it was kind of really trying to highlight that as an area of focus specifically for 
young women in pursuit of goals. I feel like there's a lot of questioning yourself. I also feel like particularly as women of color, we often are dealing with imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, so we are in really great spaces doing really great work, but also questioning whether we belong to be there so often. Um, so I just wanted to really, I wanted Carly to really reflect other people. I feel like some of the stories that I love the most are like moments when I could see myself and not that every story has to be that, right? Like you can relate to stories that are totally not your life, you know, the rich and the famous somewhere else or something like that. Like it doesn't always have to be that way. But I think specifically in writing these characters, I wanted people to be able to say about Carly's story that it resonated with them. Like, I know exactly what that felt like when I had my big girl job and I didn't always feel like I was cut out for it, but I showed up for it, you know? And so that to me was really the depiction of Carly in her work life. So you wrote about New York City and in addition, you wrote about Los Angeles and um, parts of Maryland, the more um, smaller cities what was that like I'm always interested in stories that aren't just set in Los. I mentioned Los Angeles but I'm interested in stories that aren't always set in Los Angeles and New York City because we have swaths of places to write books about um, but what was your experience and like writing about those places and what did you what do you think those places add to the story sure so when it comes to music you have really major music markets in Los Angeles, New York, and Atlanta. And that is not to discount all the amazing music that's mm -hmm. happening in Chicago or Philly or not, you know, just all the other places, right? Um, but, you know, those tend to kind of be very big musical cities. So to me, it's kind of like it had to kind of make sense <laughs> within that world. So that was kind of starting with New York. Um, which I've spent probably the most time in. Um, so that was helpful just being for reference and being able to talk about different things um, with a certain amount of authority. Um, but, you know, things like Maryland come up because it's like my, my family's from Maryland. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so I always really loved this idea that like, even though I was um, living in Philadelphia, that I... I would always say like, but my family's from Maryland because for some reason that just felt like it was something special, mm -hmm. you know, of like them just coming from a different world. Like my family growing up on the Eastern shore um, and having farms and, you know, working in the country. <laughs> and I just remember that time, like going there to visit. So to me, it was like a bit of an ode to that special place and just thinking of my grandmothers and and what that meant to them but also like this idea of like what makes us who we really are so a lot of times we're living in these big cities like New York and Los Angeles and a lot of us aren't from there <laughs> um, and so I just thought that that was something nice to really be able to show depth to both Tao and Carly with both of their origins kind of being from Maryland. And what is permission to write? So permission to write is my lift as we climb. Um, <laughs> permission to write is um, an online community for Black writers and writers of color that works to amplify and cultivate the voices of writers of color. And so we do that through like our um, membership program. So we have a membership that's called Permission Granted, where it's about 50 to 60 
working writers um, kind of that come together. Um, we have like a Slack channel where we share just information. Sometimes we vent, yes. <laughs> we talk about the writing process. Um, we host like a, a weekly co-working session. So we all hop on Zoom. There have been phenomenal writers that have taken part in that and have signed with agents and gotten their book deals mm-hmm. um, all just by working an hour a week, uh, at least co-working with other people and getting that work done. And we do different classes um, throughout the year, different master classes on topics and writing. So it really was a community that I built because I had so many mentors in the music business. Um, and I looked up and once I was pursuing writing seriously, I realized I didn't have any writing mentors. <laughs> and so I was like, well, we can peer mentor. And mm-hmm. that's essentially what Permission to Write has grown to be from writing groups and giving feedback to each other to just sharing different opportunities. And as we begin to conclude this conversation, what bookstore would you like our audience audiences to buy uh, Good, Good Morning Love from? And I guess I would assume Permission to Write is what you would like to amplify, but is there an organization that you would like to amplify? Yes. So, I mean, of course, permission to write, but I also want to shout out Philadelphia Stories, um, who's given um, us great opportunities to take part in things like AWP. um, And they're also always reaching out to, you know, BIPOC communities. Um, Also, Blue Stoop, which is a Philadelphia based organization that also does amazing classes um, and, and great work within the Philadelphia community for writers. So, they're awesome. And I just want to take the chance to shout them out. And then for bookstores, um, so there's a few <laughs> that are all uh, just champion this book. And so I'd be remiss not to mention them. They're Kindred Stories, Solid State Books, Shelves Bookstore, and Cafe Con Libros. So I just want to shout them out and thank them. A few of them will also have signed copies of the book if you order from them. Um, So be sure to check them out. Ashley M. Coleman, thank you for joining us today on the Feminist Book Club podcast. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for Brownie Points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes, and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget, and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club. Well, Red Woman is a dangerous creature, creature.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.